All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalms chapter number 1. Psalms chapter number 1. I've been preaching on the Psalms uh, on Wednesday nights. So we just finished Psalms chapter 74. But tonight I want to preach from Psalms chapter number 1 simply because verse number 1 has been so heavy on my heart uh, these last few days. And I pray that God will speak to us uh, from this verse of Scripture. Psalms chapter number 1 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Our Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray that the will of God would be done. I pray, God, that you would be glorified and that you would be magnified. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach on the subject of social distancing. Social distancing. I know that we're living in a time when that's a familiar phrase. For the past several weeks as a nation, we've been practicing social distancing and primarily for the, uh, the safety and the health of ourselves and of others. And social distancing is all about, you know, safety and sa- uh, sanitation. And it's about suppressing this virus and getting rid of this virus that, uh, that is plaguing our land today. And so with that thought in mind, I, I want to use that because it's so real to us today. And it's not just real to us, but it's real in the Word of God. When you look in Psalms chapter number 1 and verse number 1, that's what this verse is all about. It's about social distancing. It's about a believer keeping his distance from an unbeliever and from those that, uh, that maybe are not living a godly lifestyle. And so we want to think about that for just a few moments. I would say this on the outset of the message that this verse of Scripture as well as this psalm has always amazed me. Uh, psalms chapter 1 and verse number 1 is amazing for two or three reasons. One reason being that when you think about the book of Psalms, there's 150 psalms uh, that have been written. And when you think about these 150 Psalms, they basically teach us two main principles about life as a whole. They teach us how to have a blessed life, and then they teach us how to avoid a destructive life. Well, when you come to Psalms chapter number 1, basically these six verses are broken up that same way. The first three verses tell us how to live a blessed life, and the last three verses tells us how to avoid a destructive life. And then if you look at verse number 1 within itself, it also portrays this chapter and the entire book of Psalms because Psalms chapter 1 and verse number 1 is about how to have a blessed life and how to avoid a destructive life. And it's good to know that God is interested in those two areas of our life. He wants us to live a blessed life and He wants us to avoid a destructive life. Another amazing thing about Psalms 1 and verse number 1 is this, is that when you think about that phrase there, blessed is the man. You have to ask yourself, who is that? man. Well, it could be any man that follows the pattern and follows the instructions that is laid out here in the text. But it's also one man in particular. And we know that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He truly was the blessed man. And Jesus lived on this earth for 33 and a half years. And He lived a blessed life. And while Christ lived on this earth and while He lived a blessed life, we know that Jesus lived a life uh, where that He walked not in the counsel of the ungodly. During those 33 and a half years He never stood in the way of sinners and He never sat in the seat of scornful. But his delight was in the law of the Lord. And in the law of the Lord, Jesus meditated day and night. Christ surrounded his whole life about a tree and, and that his life was centered around that tree. That one day he would come to Calvary and he would suffer. He would bleed and he would die. And we know that at Calvary, Jesus Christ that, uh, he, he's that, uh, that he suffered on that cross and, and he brought forth his fruit and his season. His leaf did not wither. And whatever he did here on earth... 
as well as at Calvary and even in eternity, we know has prospered. He is the blessed man. And that's an amazing thing about Psalms chapter number 1. But when we come to this verse, I want you to look at it very closely tonight for a few moments because when I think about this verse, I think about first of all uh, the interest that is in mind. What kind of interest does God have in mind in writing verse number 1? I've looked at the first word, the word blessed. If you want to know what God's main interest in this verse is, it is not to keep us away from things, but is that He might be able to bless our life. He said, blessed is the man. That's always God's interest in our life as believers. He wants to bless us. God wants to bless every child of God. He wants to be good to to His children. And oftentimes the devil tries to convince us that if we go our way and if we do our will, it's going to be better than God's way and God's will and that we're really going to have this blessed life only to find out it ends in disappointment and destruction. But here God wants His interest is that He might bless us. You know, when God puts hedges in our life, it's to keep us in, to keep us safe. It's to keep things out that would come in that would harm us. God is interested. That's His interest in mind is that He might bless His children. Not only the interest that's in mind, but there's the instruction that's in mind. Because verse number 1 gives three basic instructions that will help every Christian. Notice verse number 1 said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. God says you want to live a blessed life? Just follow three basic instructions. Don't walk in ungodly counsel. Don't stand in the way of sinners. And don't sit in the seat of the scornful. God says don't walk that way. Don't stand that way. And don't sit around that crowd. And we notice the digression of, of those that, that do. The Bible says they start out by walking in that counsel. Then after a while they're standing. That, that speaks of, of getting just a little bit closer and standing there. And then eventually they're sitting in that in, uh, in the seat of the scornful. And so there's a digression to those that, that choose not the blessed way. But God gives us three basic instructions that if you and I will just live our life that way, then we can live a blessed life. You know, Job is a great picture of that. Because in Job chapter number 1, Job being the oldest book of the Bible, that means Job had no Bible. Job didn't have the church to go to and Job didn't have a pastor. But Job was a man that the Bible said he was upright. He was one that Job was a, a man that was upright. He was perfect. You know, in verse number 1 of Job chapter number 1. And, and many times when I would come to that verse, I would say, how can a man with no Bible and no church and no pastor, how can he be perfect and upright? Because the Bible says in that same verse, he feared God and he eschewed evil. In other words, even though Job didn't have a Bible or a church or a preacher, Job said, I fear God. Isn't that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge? Job said, I fear God. And Job said, I'm going to stay away from evil. I'm going to stay, I'm going to socially distance myself from those that want to live a wicked lifestyle, those that want to live an ungodly lifestyle. And so we see that's the instructions for life. God will bless you. God will bless me if I'll just follow these instructions. So there's the interest in mind. There's the instructions in mind. But then I want you to notice the individuals in mind. And that's where we really want to preach at tonight a few moments because here in this passage of Scripture, what we find here is is that the psalmist mentions three certain individuals here. And I think we ought to pay attention to these individuals because not only are they in the Bible here, but they're even in this world today. And God said that if you and I are going to be blessed, we're going to have to practice social distancing. It's for our spiritual health and it's for the spiritual health of others. My friend, by distancing, distancing ourselves from this crowd in verse number one, we not only benefit our own self, but we benefit others uh, that we come in contact with. And so I want you to think about 
I want you to think about uh, these three individuals in this text. You say, well, preacher, how is a believer supposed to spiritually practice social distancing? I want to say number one, by not listening to the ungodly man. Not listening to the ungodly man. Notice verse number one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in what? The counsel of the ungodly. In other words, don't listen to the ungodly man. Don't take their counsel. Don't take their instruction. God has already given us His instructions. You know, we have the Word of God to give us our instructions. We have pastors and preachers and teachers and and those that God has put in our life to take the Bible and give us counsel and give us wisdom. Don't run to this world to get your counsel. Don't even run to a so-called worldly Christian and take counsel. Take counsel from the God-given authority that's been placed in your life. God puts a pastor in your life. He puts a pastor's wife in your life. And he puts, a, he puts a Sunday school teacher in your life. And you're to go to that pastor first. You're to go, if you're a lady, you're to go to his wife first. Don't go to somebody else in the church or somebody else down the road. Seek counsel from the God-given authority that's in your life. You say, well, preacher, why is that so important? I'll tell you why. It's not that the pastor has all the answers. And it's not even that the pastor's wife has all the answers. If you was to come to me or Miss Gravely and say, well, uh, do you think you know everything about this or everything about that? We'll be the first to tell you. We don't know everything. In fact, many times I've had to look at people after counseling them and saying, listen, I don't have all the answers for what you're facing, but I will pray for you. I will pray that God will help you. And to my best of my ability, I will pray and ask God for wisdom to help you. You say, preacher, why go to that God-given authority? I've got this great friend here. I've got this great individual. And they, they say these things that are so great and wonderful. Yeah, but there's something missing. You know what that is? Your pastor and pastor's wife don't know everything, but I'll tell you this much. Here's what God will do for you. God will give them wisdom if you seek their counsel doesn't mean that I've seen that. I've sat down with people facing things and they would start telling me things and I would think to myself, how in the world am I going to help these people? What am I going to say to them when they get through talking? And just like that, the Holy Spirit would bring a verse of Scripture to my mind. He would give me, he would give me the words to say and I would give them some kind of counsel, and I would know that that was God had placed that on my heart to help them for where they're at. Sometimes it would be the opposite of what I would think, but I knew it was right. I knew it was it lined up with the Bible. I knew it was what God wanted them to hear for that moment. And so I'm talking about don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. God puts counsel in your life. He, he puts people in your life to give you the instructions. And woe to the person that will start giving ear to someone else because maybe they're a family member, maybe they're a good friend, friendship and family uh, members have destroyed and got people a lot, a lot of times on the wrong path because they took that counsel over the God-given counsel that was in their life. Don't listen uh, listen to, uh, and I know that there are good uh, uh, family members that love God. They're good friends that love God. I'm not saying that they're ungodly, but I'm saying, listen, be careful where you get your counsel from, but make sure that it comes from the, the authority God has put in your life and certainly stay away from the ungodly counsel of this world. You see, the word ungodly here, it simply means someone who has, has decided to, to take God out of their life. It's someone that they could even be saved. They could even love God. But they have chosen to not seek counsel from God themselves. Now, how can a person that's not living godly give you godly counsel? 
How can a person that is doing things against the Word of God and the will of God instruct you in the right way? You'd be amazed at people that will, will, will listen to people on the job because they say something that sounds good. Or they'll take counsel, some from, as I said, from some family member or some friend because you know, they're, they're close to them and, and their personality and their, and their love for them uh, intertwines. And so they, they give an ear to what they say. But here's the problem with that. When people are not living a godly life, they're going to give you the wrong advice every time. He said, well, Brother Gravely, how do you know that? Because I know in my life, if I don't live for God, if I don't seek God's will every day, and someone comes to me and they want counsel, I'll tell them the wrong thing. Friend, the only sound counsel we're going to give is what comes from this book. It's important that we walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's people that have chosen to, to live their life without God's will and without seeking God's way. You know, I know people today that they're good people, but they don't live godly. They may not be out in deep, dark, gross sin, but they're not living godly. They're, they're not seeking God's will. What does it mean to live godly? It means to seek God's will. It means to study His Word. Uh, that's living a godly life. Surrender to His ways and, and sharing His witness, serving His work, and, and be serious about your walk. And I'm going to tell you, there are people out there that they may go to church, but they're not studying His Word. They may go to church, they're not seeking God's will. They may go to church and, hey, they, they're, not, they're not sharing in His witness and they're not surrendered to His ways. There's a lot of people that goes to church that, listen, don't take advice from them just because they go to church. Because what if they've got a stubborn will? They're never going to give you the right counsel if they're not where they're supposed to be at. Don't listen to ungodly counsel. Don't take the counsel from those that are not living a life that supports what they're saying. You know, I, I've seen people take marriage counsel advice. Maybe some lady working on the job with another lady and she takes advice from some other lady there and that lady's divorced. Now, I'm not preaching against divorced people or beating up on them. But if, you're, if your marriage is in trouble, <clears throat> then you want to take counsel from somebody that, that's not been through a divorce that can take the Bible and, and give you some instructions. Maybe tell you how their marriage is, is working and what makes their marriage stronger. But many times people will sit and they'll open up to someone else and they'll take that ungodly counsel. Now I know there are people that's been through divorce that can give godly counsel because they felt the hurt and the pain and, and they have saw the mistakes. That's not, that's not necessarily what we're emphasizing here. Ungodly counsel is those that, that say one thing but and their life doesn't back up this book. And may I say we're living in a time when people have learned the religious lingo. But look at their lives. Look at their lives. Just because someone uh, can shell out a few verses of Scripture and say some things that, that sound good that they've read out of a book, take a good look at how they're living, the choices they're making, the decisions that they're making. Is that really someone that you want counsel from? Look at the path that they're going to, don't, uh, going through don't, down. Don't listen to the, uh, to the ungodly man. Those that And there are very ungodly people that are living wicked and, and those are easy to identify. I don't think that's what trips a lot of people up. You see, some man or some lady out there and they're just living a heathenistic lifestyle you know not to take counsel from them but I'll tell you the ones that have shipwrecked a lot is those that, that listen they, they've got the religious mask on they know how to talk, they know how to say things, they, they can even sound like your preacher or sound like your preacher's wife may even sound better to them at times but the problem is look at their life look at the way they're living their life I'll tell you if I'm going to take counsel from somebody I'm going to look at somebody that's dedicated, somebody that's consecrated, and I'm going to look at somebody that's been very consistent in the way that they've lived their life. I'm not going to look at their personality, their charisma. 
I'm not going to look at the at anything that 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 uh, friendship or family. I'm going to look at. I want to. I want to take counsel from somebody that I know that has lived what they are telling me, and that they have experience. And they have the life that supports and backs it up. You say, preacher, how do you practice social distancing by not listening to the ungodly? Secondly, I want to say you, we practice social distancing by not lingering with the sinner man. Not listening to the ungodly man, but not lingering with the sinner man. Notice what the Bible says here, nor standing in the way of sinners. You know, when you stand, that means that you're, you're, you're staying in one place. You're, you're not moving. Walking, there's movement. There's a pace. There's, there's progress and, and there's motion. But when you're standing, you're in one place. And here's what the Bible is saying here is don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't put yourself in places that you shouldn't be in. Don't put yourself around people that you shouldn't be around. Practice social distancing. You know, the reason we practice social distancing today is because that there are certain places that we're not going. There are certain people we're not being around right now because if we do, you know what the, the result of that is we're going to get infected or we're going to infect somebody else. And so, and I've seen that happen many times in church and I've seen it happen many times amongst people. They start standing with the wrong crowd, hanging out with the wrong crowd. You know what happens? It influences them. Or should I say, it infects them. Before, you, before long, they start acting like them. They start, they start talking like them. They get the same mindset, the main goal, same goals. And I'm going to tell you, it is impossible uh, to, to be friends with people. If you're trying to live a godly life, it's impossible to be friends with people that are living a worldly life and for those two to mingle. Because the Bible says, how can two walk together except they agree together? Doesn't mean you can't love them. Doesn't mean you can't be kind to them. But you can't be a friend with them. You can be a friend to them. You say, well, preacher, what's the difference between being a friend to somebody and being a friend with somebody? Being a friend to someone means that I want to help them. I want to to instruct them. I'm going to tell them the truth. But being a friend with them means I want to hang out with them. Can I tell you something about Jesus? Jesus loved sinners. He sat down and He ate dinner with sinners. He ate with them. And Jesus instructed them. But His purpose was to bring them to a higher and holier level than where they were, to bring them where He was. And friend, listen, you can, you can love people and you can give them the truth, but sometimes you have to distance yourself from that crowd that's wanting to live worldly. Young people, distance yourself from that teenager that's listening to rock music, that, that, that's listening to country music. Distance yourself. Uh, listen, mom and dad, you distance yourself from those parents that are listening to rock music and country music or, or maybe they want to change your, your style of dress because, uh, listen, they're not, dressing, uh, they're not dressing according to the Word of God. I don't look down on people, uh, listen, that don't dress right, but I'll be honest with you, if you hang with that crowd long enough, they'll start wanting to change your wardrobe. They'll start wanting you to look like them and act like them and, and sound like them. And can I tell you, you've got to distance yourself from that crowd. You can give them the gospel. You can invite them to church. You can say, I'm praying for you and I love you. But you've got to draw a line somewhere and say, I'm not, being, I'm not on the buddy system. I'm not hanging out with that crowd that's not going to do right. Distance yourself from them social distancing by not lingering with the sinner man. We preach it to teens, but we ought to preach it to we ought to preach it to adults as well. You see, the simple math is this. If you hang with a carnal crowd, you're going to be carnal. If you hang with a spiritual crowd, you're going to be spiritual. If you hang with a worldly crowd, you're going to be worldly. It's just what you, what's in your heart. What is it your desire? And if your desire is to be with that crowd, then something's wrong. Amen? Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't, don't, don't get hooked up with that crowd that's not wanting to do right. How many times, how many times 
my soul, have I seen people get with the wrong crowd and you knew it was just a matter of time and they were going down that path. If you know someone like that today, you ought to pray for them. But you ought to purpose in your heart, God spoke to me. I'm drawing the line. I'm going to socially distance myself by not lingering with the sinner. Man, you know we're all sinners, aren't we? But we all don't have to live like sinners. I know we sin every day. And I'll tell you, I, I have to ask for forgiveness every day of my life. I come short of the glory of God. And just because we're saved doesn't mean that we don't sin. But there's, different, there's a difference in, in sinning. And there's di- a difference in choosing to live a sinful lifestyle. Going against the Word and the will of God. And my friend, that's, in, that's something we need to think about. Think about the prodigal son. When the prodigal son joined himself with the, with the citizens of that, of that far country... When he joined himself and with, with all those citizens and lived that riotous living, look where it got him. Everything the Father had taught him, everything that the Father had gave him, he squandered it all. He lost it all. And he put him in the hog pen of sin. You know, friend, if you think that you can hang with a worldly crowd and it not affect you, listen, you're fooling yourself. If you think, mom and dad, that you can take counsel from ungodly people and it somehow, some way it's going to turn out right, you're fooling yourself. The Bible gives clear instruction here. Do not linger with a sinner man. Do not listen to the ungodly man. And then let me say this. Do not laugh with a scornful man. The Bible said in verse number 1, Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You know, the definition of a scorner is one that openly dislikes or disrespects or mocks. That is, the, that is the definition of a scorner. Someone that openly disrespects, dislikes or mocks, even with indignation. That's what a scorner is. Those that express uh, contempt or, or derision and, and, and they, they, they are those that are just basically are, are rebellious in their ways. They're mocking. You ought to be careful who you hang around and don't, don't uh, laugh with scornful people. People that want to make fun of God. People that want to make fun of of religious things. People that want to make fun. Even in church, I've seen people mock and make fun of people. There's a high price to pay for making fun of people. There's a high price to pay for for, uh, letting others be your entertainment and mocking them and making fun of them. And can I tell you, don't laugh with the scorner. Don't make light of the things of God. I I once knew a, a young man that when he was just a teenager, I was just a few years ahead of him, but I would watch him sit in the pews and when the preacher would preach. What he went to church for was to, to see how many funny things he could find in the service. And no doubt there's been things happen in church that has made us all laugh and comical things. But I'm not talking about something just comical that happened. I'm talking about he sat there in church uh, and purposely looked for, uh, for people and things going on in the service that he could mock and make fun of. And after the service he would, he would talk and he would say things uh, about that to other young people and, and cause other young people to be lighthearted about the things of God. I would not tell you the destruction that has come to that young man's life. How that it has been destroyed. Scorners pay a high price for mocking the sacred things of God. You say, preacher, how do you practice social distancing? Don't laugh about those that scorn. You know, church ought to be a serious thing. The things of God, we ought to take them very serious. And I believe that we can come to church and enjoy church and enjoy the things of God. But I'm going to tell you something. Standing behind a pulpit is serious business. Worshiping God is nothing to make light of. Oh, listen, I, I don't want to get too casual in the house of God. I, I don't want to get too comfortable in the things of God. And those that, that mock and make fun of church. I, I remember in the day when if you laughed in church, the preacher called you out. 
If you mocked and made fun of something that was said, they would call you out. And they put the fear of God. And, and don't listen, don't hang with that crowd that, that, that is always... And, and I've seen that in lost people and saved people. Oftentimes, down through the years, we've seen people that in church even scorn the things of God rebel against the things of God. People leave a church or get out of church and oftentimes what would happen is they the very place that they said helped them so much, it was the greatest thing on earth, but it's also now the place that has hurt them, the place that is so made a victim out of them. You know what that is? That's, that's a person that's been scorned. That's a person that, that, that they're looking back and, and, they're, and they, they may not be laughing at that, but what they're doing is, is that there's an unpleasant taste in their mouth toward the spiritual things of God. You say, preacher, what is it? It's a heart problem. Don't let them infect you. Don't let them... And it may be a family member. You may have some family member that's been out of church for years and all they can do is talk about the church and run the church down. doesn't matter if it's this church or another church, but they're just down on the church. And every time you try to witness to them, they want to throw that up. I want to tell you something. Listen, don't, don't listen to that because if you listen to it long enough, it'll affect you. I've watched parents sit around and talk about their church, talk about their preacher, talk about the Sunday school teacher, run the church down. Their children hear that all those years and listen to it all those years. And then when their children grow up and get of age, they leave the church. You know why? Because they've been scorned. They've listened to all that discontent down through the years. You know, mom and dad, you better be careful what you say about the church. Be careful what you say about the pastor. Be careful what you say about his, his, his wife and his children. And, and I haven't heard anything, and I thank God for that. I appreciate a church that loves us, but at the same time, I'd be lying to tell you there wasn't scars and wounds and that every pastor has. There's no complaint there. God always takes care, and He always gives the grit and the grace to go on and serve God. But my message to you is not about me. It's about you being careful. And when you say something about the church, make sure it's positive. Make sure it's uplifting. Make sure that your children know and believe believe that your church is the greatest thing that's going on in, in your home and in your life and, and work around your church and only say positive things and keep them away from people that would infect them about the church. I'm amazed that when people leave church and they leave the church, but how oftentimes they, they reach back to people, they want to be connected. And I, I'm not talking about... Uh, uh, I'm not talking about the fact that we can't love people and reach people. But isn't that amazing? They leave the church. It wasn't good enough to be a part of it, but they want to reach out and see how many people they can infect. I, I've seen people do that down through the years, time and time and time again. It doesn't bother me. I realize God will take care of them and God will take care of us, but I see that so many times. You know what the purpose of a lot of that is? To see if they can pull somebody else to where they're at. Oh, you ought to think about that. The Bible talks about people that that uh, walk disorderly. The Bible talks about people that cause divisions. Romans 16 and verse number 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse number 14 said, And if any man obey not our word, talking about Paul, the man of God, by the epistle, that's the word of God, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. You know, when people get out of the will of God and they leave the church, don't just reach out. I mean, we ought to reach out and invite them to church. But don't just become their friends. You know why? They're going to infect you. They're going to pull you in that same direction. You say, well, they, they may not today, and they may not today, but they will one day. One day, little by little, they'll put them little seeds there. You see, the Bible talks about that, 
Where if they obey not the word, if they obey not the, the authority of the man of God in the epistle, then the Bible says that we ought to have no company with them that they may be ashamed. I want to say this in closing. One of the things that has probably been one of the most difficult things in my Christian life and, and even in the ministry is sometimes when I see somebody that is chosen to go a different route. They have, they, have, they have made their mind up that's the way they're going and you have done everything you can to try to pull them back but they are bent and determined that that's how they're going. seems like there'll come that time, there'll come that place when the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart as a pastor, sometimes even when it's a friend or a family member and God will say, you've got to let them go. You just got to let them go. Well, I want to tell you something. I've wept a lot of tears over people like that. Church members, family members, friends. You say, preacher, do you cut them off and never talk to them? Of course not. Preacher, would you be kind to them? Absolutely. Preacher, if they needed you in the middle of the night and called you, would you come? Yes, I would and I have. But I'll tell you what it has done. There come a time when I just said, you know what? I've got to cut the cord. I've got to step away. They're clearly going away that I cannot go, a way I cannot take my family. And if I stay with them, it will infect me and I socially distance from them. That's a hard lesson to have to put into practice in life. But I can tell you this, I've never regretted it. I've ne- I had a dear friend, a dear friend of that for many, many years, for, for almost 15 years, we preached together, served God together, loved the Lord together. I had been an influence in my life in ways I can never tell you. I, there's no words for me to express the, 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 and, the, and even the appreciation of how that this individual uh, had influenced my life for the, for the spiritual things of God. But one day, they started going a different course. And I saw that and I, and I, and I began to pray. And then even finally one day I, I confronted them and I talked to them and I said, listen, you're going a different route. I, and, and they assured me that they wasn't, but I could tell that they were. And, and little by little things started changing and things started happening. And I, I sat down one final time and I said, listen. And finally it all came out and they said, I'm not that person anymore. That's not the way that I'm going. And I said to them, I said, well, I love you and I'm praying for you. and I'm always here if you need me. But we're clearly going two separate ways. I would tell you, I would never hurt that person for anything, but I would say this to you. There come that day when I, I remember that day so vividly when I had to socially distance myself from them. I have no regrets about that today because to walk away from them meant I was staying with that book, staying with the Word of God. God will bless you for that. Social distancing. There are going to be times when your faith, your standards, your convictions, your beliefs are all going to be challenged. What are you going to do? Oftentimes it's by those that you love the most. Father, I pray that you'll take this message. Lord, I pray that you'll use it to help us today to, to just draw away, to remember that we're to draw away closer to you, that the man in verse number 1 is separated in verse number 1 from this world, that he might be separated too in verse number 2 to the Word of God. We know that separation is not just separation from, but it's separation to the spiritual things of God. I pray that you'll take this message, speak to hearts. Lord, if there's someone here that may be listening that's struggling, maybe they're sitting on the fence not knowing what they're going to do, which way they're going to go. Maybe they have a family member or a friend that is trying to lead them down the wrong path. God, I pray that you'll help them to, to draw that line in the sand and make that decision that, they're going to, that there, is no, there is no turning back that they're going to stay with 
with the Word of God. They're going to stay with the will of God. Lord, that doesn't mean that we can't love and pray for them, but God, help us to make that decision. Help us to socially distance ourselves from who you would have us to. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.